This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Derek Armstrong and Word of Grace Community Church. For more information, please visit WOGCC.com. Well, last week we kicked off a brand new series called Kicking Crazy Out of Christmas, and I talked about last week how to manage your money with excellence by not overextending yourselves and not inviting crazy into your Christmas uh, experience this year. And we know that when we manage our finances God's way, that it brings Him glory, and it keeps us from being stressed out too, right? (coughs) Well, if we want peace on earth this Christmas season and Christmas in our house, we need to do more than just manage our finances well. And the only way to kick crazy out of Christmas is really to make Jesus the focus. So today we're going to talk about how to make Jesus the focus and how to kick crazy to the curb. So if you're taking notes, write that title down, Jesus Focus. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to be able to share this word with our church family. I pray you would just anoint me to speak your word with, with just clarity, Father, and with authority. I pray that you would help every hearer that's listening to this message today to be impacted by your truth, the truth that sets us free, that renews our mind, and that changes our heart. And I pray you do all those things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now we say Jesus is the reason for the season, right? We have those things on, uh, you know, little banners we'll see, or bumper stickers, or t-shirts. But really, Jesus is the reason for every season. He's the reason for every season. And the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. And so that means that every season of our lives should be focused on Jesus. And you and I, as Christians, we know that. And we want to keep Jesus as the focus, especially as there are a lot of distractions that would want to come around during the holidays to get your focus off of Christ and to get your focus on anything but Christ. And it's so crazy, isn't it, when you look at the world today that we see How many things are drawing us away from Jesus during a season that should be focused on Jesus? And it's just crazy how the world begins to just draw us away. And it's not even through anything huge. It's through little subtle things. It's through the little things that begin to grab our attention or that become uh, priorities culturally. And because they become priorities culturally, or maybe even priorities and traditions in our family, those things can detract and take away from the focus being on Jesus, because Jesus is not just the reason for this season, but he's the reason for every season. If you have your Bible, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And let's look at verse 31. Now, Paul writes to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 10 and 31 by saying, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, Do it all to the glory of God. Everything that you do should be driving people to see the goodness of God at work in us or through us, even through our weaknesses and our shortcomings and our failures, as God begins to work in us and through us and helps to bring us to a place of healing or helps bring us to a place of peace or bring us to a place of freedom, people can see the hand of God at work in your life, not just through the good things. So many times people get focused on thinking, oh, I need to let God be glorified in my life by doing a lot of good things. Yeah, there's, that's absolutely true. I wouldn't dare say that that's not true, but also in the areas of our lives where we may be weak, the areas of our lives where we may fail, that we still 
allow our lives to be impacted and influenced by the grace and the mercy and the truth of God and that people can see that at work in our lives so that way even when we blow it, even when we mess up, that people can still see the goodness of God at work and that He is glorified even when we're the ones who weren't so perfect. You see, everything that we do is supposed to bring glory to God and a life that is focused on Jesus is going to drive our behaviors. It's going to drive our decisions. It's going to drive the choices that we make because we're going to be making choices to live for Him and things that will bring Him glory. So really, here's what we need to do. We need to filter our choices through this idea of, does this glorify God? We need to filter our attitudes and our actions and our reactions through, does this glorify God? If we, when you get triggered in a certain emotional state that would begin to make you angry or, or, or when you get triggered to something that would want to bring you fear, when you get triggered to want to pop off and say something and let something escape out of your mouth that you think would express to someone how you feel, whether it be a fellow employee, whether it be someone who cut you off in traffic, whether it would be your spouse, whether it be your kids that just did something that really aggravated you, or maybe they didn't do the thing you asked or told them to do. What if before you reacted and before you acted, what if you began to filter what was about to happen or what you were about to say through, does what I'm about to do glorify God? Does what I'm about to say glorify God. So many times we say and do things and we're trying to reach out and grab it, but it's too late. It's already been done. It's already been said. And we have to backpedal and we have to backtrack. But if we live our lives with a Jesus focus where our intent is to glorify God, everything gets filtered through that. So it helps me to stop when my emotions may escalate. It causes me to pause before I act or before I say something to someone that could deeply hurt them or deeply wound them. Does this glorify God? Does it glorify God? I know that that sounds really, really simple, but it is so true if we could just get a hold of this principle of living our lives with a Jesus focus. That when we go to spend money, does this purchase, is this going to glorify God? Or is this wise? Because God wants me to steward my finances well. And if I'm not stewarding them well, then guess what? The stress that's a result of my poor stewardship does not glorify God. The anger that I feel because someone did something or they got in line in front of me and they could obviously tell I was going for that checker, but they moved in and they stole my spot and they looked like they shopped to feed like 50 people. Who are you shopping for? And I've got like five things, and they cut in front of you with like a train of all of these shopping carts, or as we call them in the South, buggies. <laughs> I mean, all these full shopping carts to the brim, and these people are just lined up, and you're like, why on earth did that happen? You get angry. And you, so if you stop, though, and you begin to think, how can I glorify God? Or does my action or my reaction, is it going to glorify God? Is my attitude that I'm displaying to my children, my grandchildren, is that glorifying God? Is the way that I treat the cashier or the way I treat the waiter or waitress that may be giving me subpar service that day at the restaurant, how can I glorify God through the way that I interact and treat other people? Because Jesus is the reason for every season, every single season, not just here at Christmas time. Go over to Ephesians chapter 2. 
Ephesians chapter 2, we'll look at verse 10. The Apostle Paul again, writing to the church in Ephesus, he says this, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God is setting you up. He has already set you up to do good works. You were created for good works. Because why? Good works and good things that you do are going to bring Him glory. It's not to put you on the, on the stage with a spotlight. It's not to magnify you. It's to magnify Him. So that when people see your good works, they'll glorify God. Because they can see the source. That it's not someone seeking glory or attention, but it's someone who is living a life, Jesus-focused, saying, how can I glorify God in my everyday life? You know, crazy does not glorify God because it puts all of the pressure on you. When you invite crazy into your Christmas, it doesn't bring glory to God because it puts all the pressure on you and it makes you feel overwhelmed. Crazy is a tactic that the devil uses to get the focus off of Jesus and putting pressure on you because guess what the pressure does? It distracts you from putting your own focus on Jesus. When you feel pressured during the holidays, you're not thinking about Jesus. You're not focused on Jesus. You're not focused on having an attitude that's going to glorify God. You're not focused on making decisions that are going to glorify God. You're just focused on making it through this next week. That's what you're focused on because maybe you work in bum, 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 retail. <laughs> maybe you're one of those people that works in retail and, and you know what this next week is going to be like and you're not even thinking about Jesus, you're just thinking about making it. Well, if that's your focus, the enemy has used that pressure of the holidays to get your focus off of Jesus. So guess how you're going to act and react during the holidays when you're under that pressure? You're going to be thinking about Jesus. You're not going to be thinking about what glorifies God. You're going to be thinking about when's my break. You're going to be thinking, how, how many times have you walked up to uh, the checkout line at like a Walmart or Target or something, and you see two employees standing there talking about one thing. They want to know when their next break is going to happen. And they're sitting there discussing that because that's all they're focused on because they're so stressed out and they're not even paying attention to their customers. And they're not serving the company well, and they're not serving God well because they're distracted because the pressure has gotten them to turn inward. You see, when we're Jesus-focused, we're not turning inward. We're actually focused on how we can serve other people by bringing glory to God through the way we treat them. Even though it may not be the most ideal situation that you're under an enormous amount of pressure and your feet are hurting, and your back is hurting, and you're frustrated because there's so many people complaining. Man, let me tell you something. Let me, let me help to reshape your worldview just a little bit. If you work in retail, and you have a lot of people complaining, you know what you have a lot of? You have a lot of opportunities to show people the love and truth of Jesus, and to blow their mind by treating them a way that they're not expecting to be treated. When people are ugly to you, guess what they expect in return? Somebody to be ugly back. 
They expect someone to be rude back because they want to continue on this downward spiral of negativity and they want to engage in negativity because it fuels this adrenaline and this response and, and everyone's on just pins and needles and they're on the edge and people, they get into that and they want to argue and they want to call the manager and all those things. They want to get aggravated. And if you respond poorly, not only does that hurt the company, but it doesn't glorify God. What if? This holiday season, whether you work in retail or whether you don't, whether if you don't work in retail, you're going to shop in retail. Some of you are going to go out to eat today after church sometime later on, maybe this evening or, or maybe for lunch. And I guarantee you, out of this crowd here, somebody is going to have bad service. I can guarantee it. Somebody's going to have a bad service experience. But you don't know what's going on in that person's life, and you don't know how God may be setting you up for a good work that brings him glory. But so many times we miss that because we turn inward during the holidays because of the pressure. We turn inward because the focus becomes then about us and how we can escape the pressure and just simply make it through the holidays. I don't want to just make it through the holidays, a time in our world where we're supposed to be celebrating Jesus. I want to use it as an opportunity to, to show them the Jesus that we're celebrating. Amen? And it's got to be more than putting up a nativity scene. It's got to be more than just singing Christmas carols. It's got to be more than just talking about sweet little baby Jesus in a manger. It's got to be a life that's been impacted by that baby that was born in a manger thousands of years ago. Amen? And that's supposed to be you, and that's supposed to be me. But for that to happen, we've got to realize Jesus is the reason for every season, and we have a purpose, and God doesn't want us to invite crazy in to our Christmas this year. So I want to give you three things that are going to help you to kick crazy out of Christmas, especially as we're coming upon the Christmas week where I know there's a lot of things that could distract and take away from keeping Jesus as the focus. The number one thing that I want you to write down is I want you to establish non-negotiables during the Christmas season. In other words, you need to make a priority of what you're going to say yes to and what you say no to. Because during the Christmas holidays, people invite crazy into their lives because they don't know how to say no. They feel the pressure and obligation to say yes to everything. And there are more and more things that you get invited to and so many things that you're, you have opportunity to be a part of. And maybe you're organized and structured and to where you can enjoy those things and you can say yes to a lot of those things. But man, let me tell you, it creates this outside pressure that takes away from a lot of the joy that is supposed to be experienced and communicated and felt because people simply overcommit. You need to make a decision. What am I going to say yes to? And what am I going to say no to? We need to understand what is most important because during the Christmas holidays, people invite crazy in by just saying yes and never saying no. So what non-negotiable would best bring glory to God? That's the filter. That's kind of the thing that you need to look through in order to make the best decisions how to prioritize what you say yes to and what you say no to during the Christmas season. Which things bring the most glory to God that I could participate or invest my time, effort, and energy into? What are those things? Those are the things that I need to invest in and make a priority. The answer to that question is going to be your compass that'll help you 
to establish your priorities that will help you to better manage your schedule. The second thing is to evaluate your traditions. So the first thing you need to do is establish non-negotiables, and the second thing is to evaluate your traditions. I didn't say throw all your traditions out the window because we've all got them. We've all got things that we like to do the same way, the same place, the same time, every Christmas, and it's the way it's always been done. And I understand that, and I'm not saying that they're bad, and I'm not saying toss them all out, but I do say maybe it's time if you're feeling pressured and you're not able to focus on Jesus, maybe it's time to evaluate those things. Just because you've always done it doesn't mean you always have to do it. Shocker. I know, right? And I know some husbands and wives are elbowing, yes, yeah, see, Pastor Sam, we don't have to go to your mother's house every year. <laughs> I didn't say that, by the way. <laughs> but maybe something was good to do a few times. But just because you've always done it doesn't mean it has to continue, especially if it's causing stress that's not bringing glory to God. When we lived in Texas, we were an hour and a half away from my parents and my wife's parents. But my wife's parents and my parents were separated by about a 30, 35 minute drive. So it wasn't like they were next door neighbors. Well, when we lived in Texas, we were an hour and a half away from our family that lived in Arkansas because we were right on the Arkansas-Texas border. And we would come down for Christmas. And let me tell you guys, it was absolutely maddening trying to decide what kids get to sleep at whose house. And when you go back and forth and which, are you going to eat lunch here? Are you going to eat dinner here? Are you going to open presents here? Who gets Christmas morning? Who, who gets Christmas afternoon? And you just go back and forth. And it makes it no fun at all. And it takes the focus away from Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? And I remember us being in that situation, especially when our son was born, because when you have a grandchild, that changes things. And so now we're having to decide where we go. And now grandparents are getting offended. And now we're, we're trying to decide which offense is going to be the, the, the lesser offense, because we're sorry, we can't be here. We can't. And we tried to make it fair, and we tried to make it work. And we were trying to please the grandparents, and we just simply couldn't do it. So I told my wife, I said, enough. After two years of doing that, I said, enough. I said, we're going to establish our own tradition, and here's how we're going to do it. And we're going to communicate it in a loving way to both sets of parents, and we're going to tell them, this is what we're going to do with our family. And some feelings did get hurt. And this is where you come in, Grandma and Grandpa, because I know we have some grandparents in the room. You have to allow your adult children to establish traditions of their own and respect that because you have raised them so you could release them. That's a whole other sermon for another day. <laughs> but you raise them so you can release them, and that gives honor and glory to God, and that's biblical because they're supposed to leave their father and mother, and the man is supposed to cleave to his wife. Isn't that what Scripture says? So them establishing their own traditions don't cause extra stress during the holiday because then you, Grandma and Grandpa, aren't glorifying God by the pressure that you are inadvertently putting on them because things aren't the same and things are changing. Sometimes you have to <clears throat> let it go, let it go. Sometimes you have to let some of those traditions go, and that's hard, and I know it's hard, and I'm not saying that this is the easiest thing to do but, I mean, my wife came from a very traditional family that always did the same things the same way. And my family was not so traditional, but we still had our few little things that we would do. 
But when we first got married, it was all do everything with my wife's family. And it was just, and then my mom was like, when are you going to do stuff with me? And I said, you know what? Let's do things the way we want to do them. Here's what we're going to do. And we laid out our agenda and we tried to make it fair. But we said, regardless, this is what we're going to do. We began to have Christmas at our house. (gasps) Not at grandma's house. And we said, you're more than welcome to come if you're able. But this is how we're going to do it. And once we're done at our house, then we will travel and we will visit you accordingly and we'll come see you. But we weren't a part of Christmas morning. I know that was a hard thing to break. But guess what? If you are going to keep Jesus as the focus, you've got to start making some decisions that are going to take some of the focus off of the craziness and kick crazy out and do some things that actually make sense so you can enjoy instead of loathe your Christmas season. Amen? That brings glory to God. Here's the other thing with traditions. Kick the expensive, stressful traditions out. Man, it's not worth it. It, If it's a tradition, that's great. But you don't have to have your children and your grandchildren relive your childhood over and over. Just because we've always done it this way doesn't mean we have to keep doing it. If it's causing problems, evaluate it. And if need be, if it is a source of problem or stress, stop doing it. Listen, I'm going to help somebody here today. And I know, I knew when I wrote this in my notes, when I was preparing this message, I said, Jesus is going to set somebody free. (laughs) If the extended family keeps on expanding and having more babies, don't stress yourself out by feeling pressured to get gifts for everyone every single time. And I know that that's for somebody here today. That is a word from the Lord. Because some of you come from larger families and you're just like, oh, you're having another baby. Oh, I guess we could take a second mortgage out. And some people have a tradition of doing certain things where they'll buy gifts for everybody and they, they buy a certain level of gifts, but then they feel like they have to keep juggling this and keep making this happen. And they do it to their own hurt and they don't enjoy doing it. Man, if you don't enjoy doing it, the Bible says that God loves what kind of giver? A cheerful giver. A cheerful giver. If it's not cheerful, then it's simply obligatory and you're doing it out of obligation and a sense of fear of what the other person's going to think about you, not from your heart. And that's not really a gift at all if you're not doing it from your heart, is it? So you need to evaluate your traditions. No matter how, how good they've been, no matter how much they've been enjoyed, no matter how many years you've been doing it, just evaluate them. And you and your spouse or, 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 or you and your family... You need to talk, you and your family need to sit down. Maybe you need to sit down with grandma and grandpa. Maybe you need to sit down with some of the family. Just talk about tradition and say, this is causing a lot of stress this year. Let's evaluate this because it's taking the focus off of Jesus. And if it's taking the focus off of Jesus, it doesn't glorify God. And if it doesn't glorify God, then it shouldn't be a part of our Christmas experience, man, because it's all about Jesus, right? Right. I'm right whether you amen or not, by the way. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 22, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. The Apostle Paul is telling the church in Ephesus, Listen, when you become a Christian, there was an old way you did things and an old way you thought. 
But when you become a Christian, you put on this new identity in Christ. But then, not only do you put on this new identity, but you've got to start thinking differently. We as Christians are called to evaluate. We're called to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. We're called to think differently about things. And so just because we've always gone a certain way and done things a certain way doesn't mean that it's not time to evaluate and renew yet again our minds to live a life that will make decisions that will glorify God. And here's the third thing. Keep the focus on Jesus. The first thing was establish non-negotiables during the Christmas season. The second one was evaluate your traditions. And the third thing is keep the focus on Jesus. Now let me give this disclaimer. I am not anti-Santa. I am not anti-Frosty the Snowman and Jingle Bells and all that stuff. You can have fun with all of that stuff. But never at the expense of losing the focus on Jesus. Amen, somebody? You see, if we're more focused... Don't throw anything at me. If we're more focused on the next place to hide that stupid little elf on the shelf than we are sharing with our kids and grandkids what Christmas is all about, then we've allowed something that was meant to be fun to become an idol in our house. Now, man, that thing drives me nuts. Me and my wife be laying in bed. Did you move that little goofball thing? Yeah. (laughs) I didn't or oh no. So... If you're more focused on that kind of stuff than you are on Jesus, then something's wrong. That should be a warning to you. That should be a red flag that I'm making something more about these fun little cute traditions of Santa or you know reindeer and elves and all that stuff. I'm, I'm making it more about that than I am about Jesus. I think those things are fun. I don't think that those things are, 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 are things that, that, that you should just toss out the window completely, but I do think they have a place, and I think you need to put them in their place. And I think that you need to always keep Jesus the main focus and focus on Christ. Amen? Amen. I think that's the main thing. So here's the thing. I want you to look for ways to keep the focus on Jesus this Christmas season. And I have some ideas that I just want to share with you, just some little things you can do to keep your heart focused on Him. What are some things that maybe you could keep your kids and your grandkids' hearts focused on Jesus? Because it's a heart thing. It's really a heart thing. How am I? Here's the cool thing. Mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, you have an opportunity to orient your child's heart in a direction that glorifies Jesus and doesn't glorify all of these other things that would want to take away from Jesus. They're fun, but if it's not something pointing people to Christ, then I need to make sure that I'm spending more time keeping their hearts focused on Jesus. And you have an opportunity, especially during the Christmas season, to really make a deep impact on what really matters and what's really important. And here's just a few things that I want to suggest to you as just ideas. I shared last week that one of the cool things that my wife's family did was we always sang happy birthday to Jesus on uh, Christmas Eve. We'd have a big Christmas Eve gathering, and my wife's aunt would make a cake, And the cake would have Happy Birthday Jesus uh, written on it with icing. And there would be like a little nativity baby Jesus in it. And they would sing, blow out candles and all that fun stuff. It was just a simple, fun way to let the kids know, listen, this is about celebrating the birth of Jesus. And then once we were done uh, singing Happy Birthday, we'd blow out the candles on the cake. And then we would cut up the cake. As the kids were eating the cake, I would read the Christmas story and we would talk about the Christmas story. Just something real simple, just to keep the focus. Another way, just to reiterate and keep the focus on Jesus. And by the way, if you're looking for a a, a good 
uh, passage on the Christmas story, and you don't want to go thumbing through your Bible, and you're not exactly sure where to look, um, go to Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. That's a great synopsis. It's a shorter telling of the Christmas story, but if you wanted to read Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20, I thought I would just equip you with that, so that way you would have a good uh, place to start uh, reading the Christmas stories, 20 verses. Um, we use the English Standard Version here at Word of Grace. I actually looked at the Christmas story for you through a bunch of different translations because I know if you're reading it to kids, you want them to be able to understand it because you don't want to open up the Bible like in the King James and, you know, and thou hast begottest, and they're like, who and whatest? And the kids may not understand and they may shut off if you start reading that. Um, but maybe not too. I'm not hating on King James. I'm just saying if you're looking for something that may be easier for the kids to understand, um, the two translations that I liked the best that I thought I'd recommend to you if you want to read Luke 2, 1 through 20 um, this Christmas uh, to your family, that uh, you could go with the English Standard or the New Living Translation. Both of those are really, really good. And I thought they're just really simple, and they help you to get it. So I would encourage you, if you're looking for a good translation, you can get that for free, both of those translations, on the Bible app that you can download if you don't actually have a, a copy of one of those and you want to use a tablet or phone or whatever. I would encourage you, read Luke 2, 1 through 20 in, it, in, in the New Living or in the English Standard. Both of those are great translations. Um, so the little quick uh, reference to that, it would, you would see NLT, or ESV. Those would be uh, how you would identify those translations if you're wanting to read that um, this year. Uh, another thing that I've never done, but I was looking for ideas, so I kind of researched online what some other people had done, and I asked a few people what they do. Um, I thought this was neat, but we've never done it. Um, but they uh, wrap a baby Jesus from like a nativity set in their home, and they actually put it in like a gift. And on Christmas Eve, the child would open the gift, and it would be Jesus. Then they would explain how Jesus is the ultimate gift, and then they would take the little baby figurine and go put it in the nativity uh, set that was in the home. I thought, what a neat idea, you know. Um, I don't know if you have more than one kid or grandkid at the house, you know, like you have 10 grandkids, there's 10 little baby Jesuses, 10 nativities. You figure that one out, but <clears throat> we're thankful for all the baby Jesuses, <laughs> but... Um, no, you get, you get, it gives you an opportunity for them to visually see Jesus as a gift. Because when they think gift, in their mind, when you use the word gift, they think present, right? Wrapped in paper. And so if they maybe visually connected, that was the idea that they see, wow, Jesus was the ultimate gift. And they actually open something that shows them that Jesus is a gift, especially if you have little ones and they put it in the nativity scene. Man, what a great just visual connector. Just something real simple. I thought that was a neat, um, neat idea. Another idea is that when you sing Christmas carols, other than, uh, we do this, we're really bad about this. We'll sing stuff and we don't think about what we're saying. What if you actually talked about the words of the Christmas carols either before or after you sang them? Now, did you just hear what we just sang? Have you ever thought about the words to that? Let's go back and read the words to that. What if you would take the songs that we sang this morning together and the carols that we sang that are glorifying God, that just warm our hearts, that rekindle warm memories um, things like that that make us think about Christmas, make us think about Jesus. But what if you actually stopped and thought about what was being said and you allowed that to be a discussion starter in your home? Hey, let's go back and let's read, let's read those words that we sang. Those things are real easy to find. You should be able to go back and look at those words and actually go, wow, this is what this means and have a discussion to keep the focus 
on Jesus. Another thing you could do is you could attend the Christmas Eve service here at Word of Grace together. <laughs> you could make that a non-negotiable and a priority, right? And you could show your kids how important it is to worship together with your church family and to celebrate the birth of Jesus on Christmas Eve. What a great thing to do. And that's something that you can experience as a family together as a non-negotiable. So my encouragement to you would be to do everything that you can this Christmas to keep the focus on Jesus. Don't stop spending quiet time daily with God simply because you're busy. He knows you're busy, but to keep the focus on Him, you have to prioritize your walk with Him and your relationship with Him as you're growing. We should never be too busy to pray because of the holidays that are supposed to be keeping our focus on Jesus. Amen? I'm sorry, I'm too busy during this Christmas season to pray to Christ. Oh, that should never be the case, but often we make those excuses. And I'm just encouraging you today to keep the focus on Jesus by never being too busy to pray, never being too busy to open up the Word of God and to read the Scripture and to make sure that you have a daily practice of investing in time with the Lord through prayer and through Scripture reading to where you're actually strengthening your inner man and you're feeding your inner man because there's a world that would want to put pressure on you and distract you. Amen? There's a world that would want to try to pull you away from giving glory to God by making you own all of this pressure that it wants you to feel to where you open up the door and crazy walks right through and takes up residence in your house. My encouragement would be to kick crazy out by making sure that you prioritize your time with the Lord and you make that a non-negotiable and you don't give that up no matter how busy that you are. We should never be too busy to show God's love and compassion to other people. So this Christmas, I know it sounds crazy and I know it sounds countercultural, but I want us to make Jesus the focus this year. I know that's crazy and countercultural and edgy, but I want us to make Jesus the focus this holiday season. Amen? Amen. To where we as Christians, even though our world, and, and, and listen, don't get swollen up and, and, and get mad at the world for deviating its attention as a majority away from Christ. That's what they're supposed to do. They, they don't know any better, okay? So instead of spending all your time griping about all the high commercialism, and instead of spending all your time being negative, talking about how other people are not making Jesus the focus, why don't you, instead of all that negativity coming out of your heart and your mouth, why don't instead you focus on making sure that your family has prioritized Christ and let that glorify God, then that will become an influence to other people who are being drawn away to commercialism and seeing all these other things that are not about Jesus, that they see someone who actually prioritizes Christ. What if you made that your goal? Just to make Jesus such a focus that all of a sudden your influence begins to spill over to where other people see that Jesus is the focus of your Christmas and that maybe that starts healthy discussion. Maybe that gives you an opportunity to have influence in those other people's lives who are being drawn away. So many times we just gripe about it. We just gripe over and over again about all the commercialism. It's there. That's what the world's supposed to do. There's a spirit of antichrist in the world that's trying to pull people away from Jesus. That's what it tries to do. And some people take the bait, and they get caught up in all of that. 
And they're not even thinking about Jesus. And they're trying to be so PC-focused that they don't even want to talk about Christmas. They don't even want to talk about Jesus. All that stuff. And I know that stuff's out there. And we have an opportunity to get caught up in being angry towards all of that stuff and, and wanting to, 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 to go and, and, and right the wrong. And yeah, it's wrong. Yeah, it's not right. But you want to know the better thing to do than you to go out on a campaign to try to fix all of that would be for you to make sure, number one, your family is keeping Jesus as the focus of Christmas and that you are keeping Jesus as the focus of Christmas and that you don't get distracted and that you stay focused on what really matters. Amen? Amen. Matthew 6 and 33 says, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and that all these other things will be added unto you. And so this Christmas, I want you to seek the kingdom of God first, seek his righteousness first, and have a merry Christ-filled Christ-centered Christmas. Amen, somebody? Amen. I found a great quote from A.W. Tozer. It says, As God is exalted to the right place in our lives, a thousand problems are solved at once. God, I thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity to share this word with our church family. I pray you help us all to keep Jesus the focus this Christmas. I pray that if crazy has already come into our lives, that we've recognized it and that we say you're not welcome here anymore and that we kick crazy out of the holidays so that we can make Jesus the center and the focus, not only of this season, but of every season. We pray that the way we treat and interact with other people would be filtered through the thoughts of what brings glory to God so we truly can live a life where we're showing the love and truth of Jesus in our everyday lives. We thank you for what you're doing in us. Now we pray you help us to put it into practice so that we can see fruit from this word that has been invested in us today, that has renewed our minds, that has challenged us, that has encouraged us, that has strengthened us. And I pray that we live lives this week as there will be many challenges to be distracted. I pray we live lives this week that will bring you glory, Lord, because we're keeping Jesus the focus. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit wogcc.com.